0: All right, truth time, okay? And, you know, maybe your wife's there sitting next to you. And I encourage you guys to, to watch these things together. Make your kids watch them. I'm not that smart as a speaker, so most children can understand me. Uh, go ahead and watch these together and, and join us together and join down there in the comments and everything. But when I ask these questions, it can get kind of awkward in the room, right? So here's the question. Have you ever gotten in a fight with your wife? Uh-oh. What about with your boss at work? Have you ever gotten in, in a conflict with your boss or maybe with a friend that you have? Or things just get kind of hard and get kind of awkward and maybe there's even a little squabble. Well, where do these things come from? We've talked about this before over the years and there's such an awesome verse in James 4.1 that just explains these situations to us. It says, what causes fights and quarrels among you? Don't they come from your desires that battle inside of you? You crave what you do not have. And God's word just knows how to cut right to the point, right? You've got a conflict, you've got a fight, you've got a quarrel in your life. Where do these come from? There's desires in you that are not being met. And that's how it starts. You can trace every quarrel, every fight, every argument, every tussle, every squabble, every conflict in your life back to unmet desires in your heart. Let's go ahead and right now, think back to the last fight you've had. Hopefully it wasn't this morning. But think back to the last fight that you had in your life. What was it that was unmet? What desire was unmet? What desire did that other person have that wasn't being unmet? That's probably not often, if you're anything like me, that you even think about what the other person is looking for out of an argument or a conflict. There are probably even times where, if you're anything like me, that you've gotten neck deep into an argument and you realize, oh, that's all you want? Oh, yeah, that's fine. Yeah, we can do that. And you've got to a big fight and you got to a big uh, argument over something because really you weren't even listening to that other person's desires. Well, we crave and we desire things. And many of those things are perfectly innocent. But how do desires get from innocent to catastrophic to a relationship? Ken Sandy in his book, Peacemaker, outlines this progression of desires, And he gives us four points that we're going to jump on today. It starts with a desire. I desire, I demand, I judge, and then I punish. Now, some desires are sinful, right? You've got revenge, lust, you've got greed. But there's uh, nothing wrong with the desire for peace, right? The desire for success at work, for a a happy, loving family, a desire for respect. There's nothing wrong with these things. These are all good things. And if someone's standing in the way of those good things, it's perfectly appropriate to have a conversation with that person. You might even get into a, a situation where you need to come together and compromise on some of these things. You might even bring in a third party to help mediate a situation And these are all normal things. And maybe sometimes it means looking for a new job. Maybe sometimes it means looking for a new employee when you have these types of conflict. But what happens when it's a spouse or one of your children or part of your church family? These relationships should not be so easily forsaken. So what do we do in these situations? Now, sometimes the only answer in these situations is to trust God with that situation. Giving God your unmet desire and believing if it's his will that it will come to pass. And really trusting him. Maybe the unmet desire is a call for you to fill that hole inside of yourself with a stronger desire for God. Asaph said in Psalm 73, 25, He's telling God, he said, who ha- have I in heaven but you? And there is nothing on earth that I desire beside you. James 1 tells us that we can have joy in our struggles when we face these tests of unmet desires like this. Why? Because we can have joy because it can grow our faith. Romans 8 tells us that God can work out any hardship for our own good and help us look more like his son. But too often, when we exhaust the right way to do something, then we begin to try and push. When we don't get the results we want, instead of relying on God and His hand and trusting Him, instead, we decide we're going to fight for those things. We start to demand our desires. And that starts the transformation from a desire to an idol. We become fixated on the want to the point that we begin to worship the want. It dominates our thinking. We offer it our time. We start to give it more and more of our attention. And until it's all that we can see. Adrian Rogers says, anything you love more, fear more, serve more, or value more than God is an idol. So it starts with I desire, and then it moves to, if we don't slow it down, and if we don't stop it, it moves to I demand. I demand. Idols always demand sacrifices. People sacrifice their marriage, their careers, their children, their church family, their reputation, all on the altar of unmet desires. We make excuses to legitimize this worship of our desire well but i deserve i can't believe they're not letting me i wish they would treat me like they treat her i can't believe they would disrespect me like this i put a lot of work into this and nobody is noticing and we begin to feel like a victim and we begin to feel like we've got to fight for this unmet desire to be fulfilled Now, many times those desires have portions of truth in them. But we step into sin when we start to demand our way. We begin to try and control and manipulate the situation. Maybe even we start to play people against each other. Maybe even we uh, attempt to tear down that person that isn't giving us the desire that we want. So we attack them. This happened in 1 Kings. King Ahab wanted a vineyard. Have you ever really just wanted a vineyard, right? Sometimes these Bible uh, illustrations that we have uh, can be a little bit, especially when you're dealing with a king, right? Uh, especially uh, be a little bit unrelatable. But this guy wanted a vineyard. He saw it and he wanted it. He wanted this piece of land. The problem is someone else owned this piece of land. His name was Naboth. The king went to to Naboth, it gave him a great offer. He just was going to give him, uh, you know, a, a great deal. I'm going to give you this amount of money. You give me the, the vineyard and everything's going to be fine. But Naboth said, hey, this, this vineyard's not for sale. This vineyard's been in my family for years and I will never sell this vineyard. Well, King Ahab was not having it. He was just so distraught. He went and the Bible says he ran to his room. He put his head in his pillow and he began to cry. He was just bitter, and he was angry about this unmet desire. He began to hate Naboth because he's not going to give me what I want. So Ahab's wife, wife Jezebel, says, well, I guess I can't live with somebody that's got this type of desire that's unmet, and they're just mad about it, and they're they're bitter about it, and they're weeping, and and, and Ahab even said that he wasn't going to eat, so Jezebel stepped in. She invited Naboth to a dinner, and then when he got there, she had him stoned to death. And they took the vineyard. I desire, I demand, I judge, I punish. You see the same type of situation in uh, the story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Now, this started off with an evil desire. Nebuchadnezzar wanted everyone to worship him. But these three young men wouldn't give him what he wanted. They didn't bow down to his idol. So he brought them there and he, he said, Look, you are not good subjects. I am not okay with this. I demand that you bow down to me. They didn't do it, threw him in a fire. You can trace every conflict back to unmet desires. I desire, I demand. When we fill our hearts with desires for earthly things instead of God, then we become idol worshipers. Luke 12, 29 says, Do not set your hearts on what you'll eat or what you'll drink. These, these temporary earthly things. Do not worry about it. For the pagan world runs after all such things. And your father knows that you need them. But seek his kingdom. And the things you, uh, these things you will be given as well you can ask yourself some questions to identify when a desire is turning into an idol think about this what preoccupies your time in your mind your headspace what's constantly coming up in your attention where you're mowing the grass or you're washing the dishes and this situation comes up in your mind or this desire comes up in your mind and you begin to feel it right What am I believing will give me happiness and fulfillment if only I had it? What fear dominates my mind? What unmet desire causes me frustration and anger and bitterness and depression? What changes my emotions? Is there something I desire that I'm willing to hurt others for? Ask these types of questions with sincerity. Searching for these unmet desires in you that are beginning to cause a conflict. Ask the Holy Spirit to show you these things. To search your heart for idols. I desire, I demand. Next it's I judge. See, it stops becoming just about a desire. Our idolatry in us and in our hearts demands us to judge people. And it's not anymore just about the desire that we don't have. Anyone that is standing in the way of that desire, I begin to judge. They are a bad person, and I don't like them, and I'm not okay with them. We condemn them in our hearts. We don't just desire things anymore. We start to demonize the people that won't give them to us. We judge them, maybe even with our words. We begin to talk about them behind their backs, right? Testing the waters to build a coalition against them. Hey, is this, you think this is fair that they won't do this? Hey, my boss, he said this to me. That's not okay, right? He should respect me more. And we begin to judge the person. It's not just about a desire anymore. Now it's about me passing judgment on a person. David Paulson says this, and get ready, okay, is might. Your socks might just fly off your feet. You ready? We judge others, criticize, nitpick, nag, attack, condemn. Why? Because we literally play God. This is heinous. The Bible says there's only one lawgiver and one judge, the one who is able to save and destroy. But who are you to judge your neighbor? Who are you when you, are, uh, when you judge? You're none other than a God wannabe. In this, we become like the devil himself. We act exactly like the adversary who seeks to usurp God's throne and who acts as the accuser of the brethren. When you and I fight, our minds become filled with accusations. And check this out. Your wrongs and my rights preoccupy me. We play the self-righteous judge in the many kingdoms we establish. Ouch, that hurts. I need a Band-Aid on my ego right now, right? I become, and here's an here's indication that you've got an unmet desire that's turning into an idol. I become preoccupied with your wrongs and my rights. How often does that happen to us, right? Well, I did this and I did that and I, I can't believe they did that. And we begin to judge the people. But we are not the judge of people's hearts. God is. Now, God did lay down laws and He makes rulings, and it's, He says that it's wrong to lie and it's wrong to get revenge. And that's not to understand those things, is not being a judge. That's allowing God to be the judge. God said, This situation is wrong. And the Bible does tell us to watch out for sin in other people's lives in order to help and restore them. We speak the truth in love. But. Here's where we cross the line. Judging is when we sentence and condemn people. It's not about actions anymore. Now it's about the person. We condemn people and we lift ourselves up as a mini-God. When we become tools of the devil, when we become the accuser of the brethren over our unmet desires... Well, how can you tell if you put yourself in the judge's seat? You put, you know, the Judge Judy situation where you got the robe and the gavel. How do you know where you're being a judgmental person? Who do you feel superior to? Who do you have bitterness and resentment build up against? You've judged the person. You've condemned the person. It's no longer about actions. It's about how that is a bad person i've made a judgment who have you been speculating about their motives without any proof well i bet they did this because of that man she looked at me this way he did that he said this one word and i'm hanging on to this one word and that means you got this whole you know crazy wall of conspiracy theories with the red strings, you know, attached to this thing and attached to that thing and attached to this thing because you've got this whole thing about how this is a bad person and here's all the proof. But these type of attitudes are devoid of love and concern for the other person. We are in the wrong if we're condemning and writing people off when they fail to meet our desires and expectations. And the sad thing is, is the closer you become with people, the less likely they are to meet your expectations. We have the least amount of mercy and the most amount of expectations for the people that we're the closest with, right? You ought to know that you should do this. You know me. How long have we been married? See, the problem is sometimes we even have expectations on people that are never spoken And we don't have mercy on them when those situations come to pass. There's a saying that, and I say it all the time, that unspoken expectations are unmet expectations. My wife and I decided a long time ago that we weren't going to allow ourselves to be mad about something we never asked for. When we have an idol in our life that other people won't bow down to, we judge and we condemn them. And sometimes we even sacrifice that relationship on the altar of our unmet desires. I desire, I demand, I judge, and lastly, I punish. All of a sudden we find ourselves, we don't know how we got here, but we find ourselves setting out to hurt someone. They must be punished for not giving me my desire. Anger, hurtful words, bringing up the past. They must be punished for not bowing down to my idol. And we only relent when they finally give us what we want. Now, children, they'll pout, right? And they'll stomp their feet and they'll give us dirty looks. And they do all of this because they want us to know that we are being punished. That's how a child handles it. Parents, we do something different, right? If we're not in the right attitude, what we'll do is we'll guilt and we'll shame and we'll give the silent treatment. I want you to feel this pain. You deserve this pain. I want you to feel this punishment. We've talked about this recently. Discipline, though, is different than punishment. Punishment says, I'm giving you what you deserve. But that's not the gospel, right? Discipline is for your own good. Discipline teaches. Discipline restores a relationship. You see, guilt and shame and the silent treatment do not restore relationships. Idols demand sacrifices, right? And if you're doing that, you might look for what you have in you that is an unmet desire that's not being met. There's an old saying that is kind of sexist, if you think about it, Uh, because we all do this. But it's, if mama's not happy, ain't nobody happy, right? That's a terrible attitude to approach your relationship with. That attitude hurts and splinters people. That if I'm not happy, you're going to feel it. I'm going to make sure you know about it. I'm going to slam a door. I'm going to, you know... Make sure I never take out the trash until it piles up because I'm being passive aggressive. I'm going to punish you for this unmet desire in me. James 4.1, we read already. But it tells us that inflicting pain on others is one of the surest signs that an idol is ruling your life. Because we only read half of that little passage. It started off and said what causes quarrels and what causes fights among you. Is it not that your passions are at war within you? You desire and you do not have? Check out what it says next. It says, "So you murder." <laughs> Man, that escalated quickly, right? But the Bible tells us when we hate, it's tantamount to murder. It says, "You do not have, so you murder. You covet and you cannot obtain, so you fight and you quarrel. You do not have because you do not ask. You ask and you do not receive. Because you ask wrongly to spend on your own passions. It says here, when we have these desires in us that are not being met, we seek to punish other people. We murder, we covet, we fight, we quarrel all over unmet desires. I desire, I demand, I judge, and I punish Anytime we long for something apart from God, when we fear something more than God, when we trust something other than God to make us happy, fulfilled, or secure, then we worship a false God. Yeah, you may not go and carve an idol out of wood or stone, but we still bow to these things and we place our faith in these things and we place our happiness and our joy in these things and when we don't get them we begin to sacrifice to them if you're a christian god is jealous about you worshiping something else and he will set out to correct that in you because those idols are empty and they are full of pain we see this process played out a few chapters earlier in james chapter 1 verse 14 Says that each person is tempted when he's lured and enticed by what? By his own desires. Then desire, when it's conceived, brings forth sin. And sin, when it's fully grown, brings forth death. I desire turns into I sin. And sin, when it grows up, causes death. Death in our lives, death of relationships, death of a job, death of just death. Why? Because idols demand sacrifices. I desire, I demand, I judge, I punish. One of the Ten Commandments, God tells us not to put any other gods before him. So how do we root out these idols in our lives? We just gave you a map, right? You just... Follow this map of conflict. You see a conflict in your life, then work backwards through this progression of an idol. Why am I trying to punish this person? What is going on in my life? Why am I trying to punish this person? Why have I just made the ruling that this person is a bad person? I've passed the judgment. I've hit my gavel down. They are a evil, wicked person. Why have I made that judgment? Why am I trying to punish them? Why am I judging them? Is it my place to judge them? What desire am I demanding from them that I am not getting? Follow that progression backwards all the way to that unmet desire in you. Because what you're going to find is you're going to find a little idol in your life. Something that you've been worshiping. Something that you think you need to survive. And that's something that you're trusting that if only you would have that thing, you would be happy. God wants to deliver you from your idolatry. And he wants you to worship and love him with all of your heart. God uses his word and his spirit and his church to help us be freed from these idols of unmet desire. His word is alive. I challenge you to jump into it. And you might say, man, this book's 2,000 years old and portions of it even much older than that. How could it possibly know what type of idols are in our lives? Because that is how God's word works. It's alive. You'll be reading one passage and you'll say, hey, man, that is me right there. And it'll speak to your heart and show you something. And God's word can cut through our excuses and our blame shifting and show us that we've placed our satisfaction in something that will hurt and disappoint us. The Holy Spirit wants to point out those idols in us and free us from their control. And every single one of those unmet desires that have turned into an idol needs to be cast down and we need to take that portion of our life and decide that we're going to worship God, we're gonna apply worship and praise of the one true God to that situation. God, I worship you more than success. God, I worship you more than respect. God, I worship you more than credit and accolades. I worship you more than my opinion. And when my opinion doesn't come to pass, I'm gonna trust you because ultimately I worship you and I know that you are in control. God, I want you more than I want revenge. I lay these things at your feet and I realize that I cannot make them happen. So I choose to trust you. Repent. Repent of that worship of that thing and stand in awe of God's greatness and ability to fill your needs. Fall in love with God and trust him and delight in him. John Piper says, sin is what you do when you are not fully satisfied with God. What conflict is in your life? What conflict keeps coming back up? Trace that conflict back to some unmet desire. Ask yourself, why am I punishing this person? Why have I judged this person as a bad person? What am I demanding and trying to manipulate and make happen? What desire is at the root of all of these things? Follow your conflict to an unmet desire. Pull down that idol and offer it to God. He is the only one that is worthy of your worship. The band's going to come. This has been such a, a revealing message for me to study out. Because it really works. Every time I have bowed up, every time I have puffed out my chest and decided I was going to fight for something because it's just my right to do so, there's always some amount of a lack of faith in me that I won't trust that God can make it happen and that I don't need to set all the chessboard up so that I could get a checkmate in this situation. I can trust God. It's fine to have desires. It's fine to have opinions. It's fine to have thoughts about things and about people. It's fine to be real and to see, well, that person's making a mistake. Hey, that person's going to hurt themselves. But as soon as those desires and thoughts and opinions turned into demands, want to make this happen, that's where we cross over into sin. And if we allow that demand to fester in us, we begin to judge the people that don't give us those demands. And once that judgment is passed, we want to lay down a verdict. We want to lay down a sentence and punish that person. But in the end, what we're really doing is hurting ourselves. Many times those people we're trying to punish have no idea. I've given people the silent treatment before. And they never even realized it. Who was I hurting? I was hurting myself. I wasn't even a blip on their radar, and they were just controlling my life. God doesn't want us to live like this. Let's tear down these idols and worship the one true God. Why don't you bow your head and close your eyes right where you're at this morning. I want to encourage you if you're with your family, just get close get up off the couch get up off the chair if you're listening from the other room come in because these people that you're sitting in a room with these are the people that many times that we hurt the most with these things we expect things out of them that they can never meet we have little mercy for them we have a long list of wrongs for them Rarely celebrate the right in them and tell them how we love them and how we care about them and appreciate them being our family. During this time of pandemic and crisis and elections and all this kind of stuff, sometimes these people are the ones that have faced the brunt of the conflict. Let's just get close right now. and Let's pray together. Dads, I want to encourage you to lead it. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pray, but you don't have to l- listen to me. You lead your family and show them that you trust God. If you don't have a, a, a dad in this scenario, we love you and we care about you. And we have respect for you because that is hard. Someone else jump up, though. Lead your family right now. apologize, maybe, for these unmet desires that you've allowed to cause conflict. Maybe today you need to call someone from your church family and say, hey, I wanted this thing. I wanted something to happen, but I took it way too far. We have a difference in opinion, and that's okay. We can love each other. We can care about each other. But I took it to demanding I took it to judging. I took it to punishing. And I'm sorry. What type of amazing things would happen if we were a church family that would face those situations head on? Maybe it's someone at work. Call them on a Sunday. I don't need anything. I don't need you to do anything. I'm just sorry. I allowed this thing that I wanted to come in the way of our relationship. allow God right now as we pray to search our hearts for these idols and to cast them down. It won't be easy. These things creep back up very quickly. Dear Jesus, we love you, God. God, help us to investigate our lives for these conflicts. Forgive us for sacrificing relationships for desires. God, help us to, to say like Asaph that the only thing that I truly desire is you. I pray for anyone this morning, God, that may not know you as their Savior. They have not bowed the knee to you. They do not worship you with their lives. God, I pray that we make that choice today once and for all and reject all other idols, all other things that we can seek. God, I pray that they would put their faith and trust in what your son Jesus Christ did on the cross. I pray they ask for forgiveness of their sins and call out to you right now. Lord, we love you. Thank you for your truth and your word. God, tear down any idol in our heart this morning. In your name we pray. Amen. As we sing, if you're there huddled with your family praying. You continue to pray. This is an important moment. Let's worship together. Let's continue to allow God to use these moments to pull down idols in our lives this morning.